Welcome to Orion Valley. I'm Josh Wall. I'm Rihanna Hudson. Frankly, I love movies. And frankly, I love books. Welcome to our podcast where we dissect films with fellow film enthusiasts and discuss why we love the medium so much. We're currently running our series Off the Shelf, where we discuss film adaptations of novels and see how they compare to each other. Today we are recording the penultimate episode of Off the Shelf. This is super exciting. Rihanna, how are you feeling at this stage of the game? You know, we've done, this is our seventh episode. I think we've done a lot of good work this season uh, oh, at yeah. this point. I, I'm I'm very proud of how the series has come out. Um, mm-hmm. This episode might be a little low energy one for me. I, off microphone, I was uh, telling Josh that I'm getting over a cold. So if I'm off my game, mm-hmm. it's not my fault. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm the victim here. <laughs> yeah, I'm the victim of a virus. And I've, I've been sick for a week. Mm-hmm. So lay off me (laughs) no we still but we push through for yes we do especially for a book as great as this one yes we're talking about call me by your name today the uh 2007 novel by uh andre asaman and uh the 2017 film directed by luca guadagnino from 2017 so this was my last pick of the series and uh if you don't mind i kind of just want to dive right in and go crazy about how oh, no, for like, sure. where this title kind of came from for me this was my first time reading the book but i saw the movie back in theaters and it was one just extremely special viewing experience for me i uh, it was one of those nights where after you know a grueling four-hour filmmaking practicum class that birthed this podcast we decided to go across the street to our local regal to see this and it was a later showing it was really just like the four of us and a couple other people in the theater and at this point in my life i was in a relationship that was definitely not considered uh like it wasn't a conventional relationship and it was kind of causing a lot of inner turmoil in my life and so when i saw this it just i had this emotional experience of like just understanding of everything that this movie was trying to do in terms of relationships and you know obviously this movie deals with a very unconventional relationship and we'll talk about some of the controversy and discourse around it a little bit later but I was just at this, it was the perfect, I saw this at the perfect time. It was a period of big transition in my life, of emotional uh, awakening and realizing uh, just the power of emotions. Michael Stuhlbarg's monologue at the end, you know, really hits home for me. And uh, I was just blown away by the movie and it constantly has me going back to it. And I wanted to, you know, do it for this for the series because I was so intrigued by the differences of the film to the book uh, and, you know, just delve more deeper into the realm of the story because I love spending time in the film, the scenery, the characters, everything about it just like is almost like a warm blanket for me in a very strange way. And uh, so I have just been, I've been waiting for the past, you know, months to get to this episode. This is, this is, this is kind of a big deal. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but this was a this was a first on both ends for you, correct? Yes, yeah. Um, I I didn't get around to seeing the movie, and I'm almost kicking myself that like I didn't go see it in theaters because you know home viewing it has its 
positives and negatives uh, in being that, you know, your ability to pause and walk away can kind of spoil some of the momentum. Yes. Um, And I kind of did that to myself (laughs) viewing this movie, (laughs) having to like pause it and like go step away and do a few things. Whereas I think in theaters, it would have been a much more like overwhelming in a good way Mm -hmm. uh, experience, especially with all the beautiful scenery and, and ocean sounds and just like the the real like sensory Mm -hmm. stuff going on in the film uh and and the book too but you know in the film on a big screen dark theater loud sound i think Mm -hmm. it lends itself very well to the big screen but yeah i i never got around to seeing it when it came out because i kind of (laughs) had the impression uh i i thought it was almost like a ya thing Oh yeah. Um, I thought it was gonna like be like a like a teen movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, is like this rated R? Yeah, it is rated R. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I uh, I didn't know that. I kind of assumed it was like a PG thirteen <laughs> fault in our stars. I don't know mm-hmm. what's wrong with me. And um, you know, and then it got like Oscar talks, and people who were seriously into film were talking about how great it was and i was like oh my god was this just like a one-off thing that this 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 teen film mm-hmm. uh, got such a claim and then i was like oh it turns out it's uh, a, a beloved novel and yeah it's uh for adults oops yeah <laughs> didn't see it on its theater run um my bad just and i never read the novel so i'm really glad that you you know picked this and and your enthusiasm for it definitely like rubbed off on me. And what was your mindset going into reading the book? Like, were you trying to, because it was such a new experience of story and having to take in the act or the acclaim over these past few years, and me just being like, yeah, this movie. Like, is it? Uh, what what was your mindset going into it? Were you were you excited? Were you more just interested or just open? I, like, what were you feeling? I was excited and interested. It, you know, I didn't go into it with the like, this better live up to the hype, like, or like, let's see if it does, like, yeah, um, kind of scrutinizing it, like, not at all. I was more just interested. Um, and I was also really glad that I hadn't seen the movie first because mm-hmm. um, a lot of the things on our list, the, the things, a lot of uh, the titles on our list, um, you know, I've seen the movie before I read the book or whatever. Right. And uh, so I was really excited to read the book first, having never read it and then seen the movie, having never mm-hmm. seen it. It, it. it felt like it was going to be the most pure first impression yeah total um, blank slate total yeah. blank slate like for me like not going in with any preconceived uh, opinions and i i i knew that would make for like a good episode um and then i also just knew it would make for a good reading experience mm-hmm. so how did you feel reading the book having seen the movie and and loved it so much I mean, I was really excited, honestly. Just before I give my initial thoughts, I want to just give a quick synopsis of it. Oh, yeah, the, we should the, probably do that. <laughs> just, just, just really quickly. So the the book is set um, in, I believe, 1983. It's the early 80s. Yeah. It's in Italy where uh, the son of a scholar, his name is uh, Elio, meets a visiting uh, Jewish scholar named Oliver who's working with their family uh, for the summer to help in like somewhat like seemingly like an apprenticeship for the summer under the the father. Yeah. Um, either like an internship kind of experience yeah. type program thing that they do every year. And during this summer, we watch as Elio has a, a romantic and sexual awakening with Oliver and they begin a journey 
uh, together that um, most of the book spends time on during the course of one summer and then goes out of that time frame. And it's, uh, as you mentioned, it's also a very sensory driven story. The scenery, the sights, the sounds, they really, yeah, both it, it all. Yeah, yeah. As you said, mm-hmm. both versions. Before I rudely started to interrupt you, no, um, <laughs> yeah. Even in even in the text that mm-hmm. comes through, and I was like I said, I was really excited to start reading it and to see the differences. I was just open and I was ready to go. And I think instantly, from an objective standpoint, I know that is tricky waters to get into with a film review. But I think <laughs> that you could both say that just objectively, the structure of the book and writing style and just telling of the story is fundamentally different from the film. Yeah, I because... Found, oh. No, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. God. <laughs> I, I think because the book is being told from Elio in the future and he's writing, it's very diaristic. It's written as a memory piece, kind of. And so it's totally from his perspective. And it's written as it is a journal. So it's very... Uh, all of the information is directly given to you. It's a very loud book, I would say, because of how much is written and given to you in terms of context and information and background uh, knowledge that you need in terms of other characters. There's also, I feel like, just a lot more characters in the book. And the movie, they take a bit more of a, um, a softer tone. It's The movie is a lot more subtle. The movie is more quiet, I think. They're very sparing about certain dialogue exchanges. They don't go on for long stretches of time they kind of leave a lot up to you in terms of interpretation and uh just again in terms of subtlety and just letting things develop naturally and also it's more in the moment whereas i said the book is much more thinking back on the movie is more let's see how this happens before us right now and i think that that and i I, before i get into my thoughts that i think that just is a very big, interesting, fundamental difference in terms of the two stories that I don't think we've really uh, encountered yet on this series. I think the closest would probably be something like uh, maybe like Ghost World because Ghost World was so episodic and structurally was like contained and then they try and like just change the story to make it more of an actual three-act structure in a film. Yeah. Uh, Did you notice those like differences like right off the bat that I was mentioning, like when you were going through the tech, like I I felt like they were pretty apparent that there was like, they were definitely different. Oh yeah. I was thinking, you know, watching the film that I think the narrative technique of, um, you know, Elio as, as an adult kind of looking back on that summer when he was 17 and, and writing in hindsight, I guess. uh, And the, the, the past tense. Yes. Um, I think, A, that it was a really great device for the novel, like, uh, in terms of the narrative, because with the sometimes complex language that uh, Andre Asiman, did I say yeah, his name Asiman, correctly? Yeah, mm-hmm. um, Can write in, I think it would read as absolutely ridiculous for a 17-year-old boy yeah. To be uh, writing in that kind of voice, yeah. and or to have like, narration in the film, like it just it wouldn't work. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I was I was thinking that um, while I was watching the movie, I had an intrusive thought where I was like, it would be really funny if they had a completely <laughs> different actor, like a, like an older man, like just, Stand by Me, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just uh, like reading directly from the novel, yeah, like over mm-hmm. footage of Timothy Chalamet swimming in a river with his tiny 
tiny body. Um, I was like, that would have been extremely funny if they did yeah. that. But good thing they didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, in the novel, with uh, that um, context, that like outright context that this is mm-hmm. a, an older man looking back on the summer, um, it kind of gives the entire story a very melancholic feel like right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the film where the tense is like current, you're following the story as it happens. Yeah. Um, it, it makes it feel less somber. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it feels almost more like a summer romance. It's more than that, but I think the movie in general, one of the biggest differences I noticed and, you know, we could kind of like, put a pin in this and come back to it later is I think the movie brought a lot more levity to the entire story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's a less of a heavy weight on the, uh, the relationship and, you know, Elio's grappling with uh, his sexuality and mm-hmm. uh, his feelings that, you know, in the novel, we really get a lot of because right. it's Elio as an older man able mm-hmm. to look back on those youthful, naive, ignorant feelings uh, right. or not ignorant, but ignorant of what it, it means in the bigger picture. Right. Um, yeah. And it, it, as an adult, he's able to kind of look back and make sense of it in, in very beautiful um prose and and descriptions mm-hmm. uh whereas in the film you're just you're following a 17 year old and so you're not getting the adult perspective mm-hmm. um and it feels much more like in the moment and yeah they contextualize it pretty early on in the book as a feeling of great intensity i think that a lot of the narration or i mean in the in the book like the perspective because it's so dependent on Elio's psychology as a 17 year old or a, you know, an older man reflecting back, you can tell that he had, it's interesting how quickly he had the feelings of attraction towards Oliver. It was like the 30 Mm -hmm. pages in, he's like, I want, I want Oliver inside of me. And I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) He's figured it out pretty early on. Whereas in the film, you can see it naturally progress, uh, as a, uh, like it builds to a point, you know, they, they really build up to that scene where they go to like the watering hole, like the, where it's like secretive. Um, and so I thought that was like a really interesting, clear dichotomy between the two stories, like instantly. And I, so, so what did I think of the book? I think I'm honestly, I'm kind of 50, 50 on the book. I think some things I really liked, I think, uh, and I will start with the things I really liked, but there were also some things that I, wasn't personally too fond of. And there was one thing that I really didn't like, but I'll save that for a little bit later. Oh, I'm excited. Things I liked. I totally agree that I think that, uh, you know, Andre uh, Asaman is a great writer. He has Mm -hmm. fantastic visual language and emotional language. I think he paints an amazing portrait of Italy in the summer of of the eighties. It's such a, you really get a full sense of where they are, the scenery and also just the time you get a good sense of the atmosphere of the, of the house of the town, the village, like, uh, and the civilians and everyone else that's, that they encounter. It was really fun to read stuff like that. And I mean, 
I think what's really fun is that there's a line in there where Elio says, like, when I think back on this summer, I don't really think of the time. I think of summer. Like, I think yeah. of, of, like, the time itself, which I think is a big part of the story. And setting it in the summer, which summer is, you know, a time where it feels like it's completely separate from the rest of the year. And it almost is more susceptible to, like, it feels magical in that sense. Yeah. Because, it, uh, you know, uh it just doesn't connect with your everyday life. Everything feels more freeing and it's, uh, it's beautiful. And especially told through the eyes of, you know, someone who's, uh, it's a coming of age story, you know, he's 17 and having it set in that time is just beautiful. And I think that the relationship, you know, the scenes that were written with Elio and Oliver together, they had a really good dynamic. I think it was very emotionally palpable and I still felt the honesty in the relationship and it was believable to me. My biggest complaint though and maybe this is just and i mean this is just my reading experience but because like i said it's very diaristic and it's very it's from elio's perspective after a while i felt that the rigidity of the structure of that it felt kind of tiresome to me at times i felt like there wasn't a lot of variety in the writing style because it felt as though it was a description of an event and then there was like a long like you know, a description of Elio overthinking something and doubling down on like the way that he said something or he thought this or he thought that. And that's a level of anxiety that I can relate to. But and I understand that, it again, it is playing to the intensity of the relationship. But because we're focusing on this one character's mindset and it's so intense throughout the entire book, kind of started my interest started to wane a little bit as the book went on and it was kind of unfortunate because at times I was less interested in the relationship and what was going on and was more focused on I'm excited to rewatch the movie you know (laughs) I was I was it was a little unfortunate at times and there are some sections that I thought were fantastic like I I really like how they handle the ending for the most part I like all of the yeah, in, stuff that in, has to do in with the novel the, in the novel in the okay. novel like in there are and like any of the stuff that has to do with the actual relationship between Elio and Oliver particularly the scenes when they're alone I think is really well done like that first sex scene that they have is so beautifully written and when they say the title for the first time call me by your name it's really done really well I just think that the structure of it just kind of made me lose interest after a while. It kind of felt repetitive at points. No, I agree. For me, it was kind of uh, the opposite in terms of I was a little, I was disinterested uh, in the first half of the novel. I think mm-hmm. I think the first part is um, kind of slow. Mm-hmm. And I I think it, it kind of works because you really get the sense of just a summer vacation spent. Yeah. Just kind of lounging around like, long days where you don't have to do anything and it almost like that feeling of just laying around soaking up the sun doing whatever Mm -hmm. uh it it almost comes through in like the first part of the book yeah because it is a little boring in my opinion Mm -hmm. i feel like bad saying that because it, it is an excellent novel in terms of writing but yeah and i know what you mean of of um the diaristic structure can be kind of limiting Mm-hmm. Um, especially because it, it, it is in hindsight, we don't get any like current day flashes, mm-hmm. um, wh- which I'm glad we didn't. I, I think it may, might've come off as a little corny, Yeah, but yeah, th- there's some like rigidity in that, like you said, 
Um, and it's also, <laughs> I don't think it's a very fun book. Yeah. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? You can disagree, but it, it's not particularly fun. Like, it, no. it's extremely intense. Like, yes, it really. I guess it, I was expecting that, though, personally. It, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I wasn't expecting, like a page turner necessarily but i wasn't <laughs> expecting to not be interested or emotionally invested <laughs> at points like i was expecting the level that i saw the film like i knew there were going to be differences but i was expecting at least some feeling of uh like resolve or like just emotional payoff and just this real richness and i at points just didn't get that i just think there are yeah. choices made that kind of made me kind of took me out of the book at points yeah and one of one of them being that, and this is this is actually a really small thing because it doesn't really affect anything, but it was something that popped out to me. There's a character in the book. Her name is like Vimini, I think is how you pronounce it. She's this ten oh, year old girl. Yeah, yeah I, was, I thought that stuff was great. Oh, I, I didn't care. <laughs> I was just, sorry, Josh's, I didn't care about that at all. I was just like, this Josh really is like ten year old. I don't care. This really precocious ten year old with yeah. leukemia who's like, oh, you're gonna miss him. Well, he's gonna be around a lot longer than me i was like okay See, all right <laughs> i think in the novel that character was necessary because it showed that oliver can be nice i, I guess because so. something mm -hmm. i thought about the novel was oliver's character doesn't come off too like kind because mm -hmm. <laughs> uh we don't really get this in the film but in the novel elio makes a point of describing how Oliver would kind of give him like icy glares. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, Cold shoulder and just, they wouldn't talk. Yeah. Yeah. And really came off as, um, yeah, like icy and mm -hmm. not friendly. And, and that caused Elio to even further, uh, have those feelings of, you know, unrequited love, which like can be torturous to a 17 year old. Uh, whereas in the film, I think Oliver's character is immediately likable, and so much of that comes from Army Hammer's performance, which we can get into later. Mm -hmm. um, but I think in the novel, Vimini's character I found to be really necessary mm -hmm. because there were times in the novel where I was like, man, like Elio is kind of just describing an older, sexy man who is so who he's magnetized to because of you know uh maybe his looks or or something about people that's just kind of inherent or mm -hmm. can be inherent in certain people that um you know attracts others to them even if they come off as kind of um not super friendly yeah uh and i think that kind of magnetism can be hard to convey through text Mm -hmm. uh, because you know on screen you have a performance like army hammers where it's just like oh my god i can see why you would immediately fall in love with this person yeah um but in text that kind of that personality can be hard to portray because you mm -hmm. don't have fluid movement or minute facial expressions or smirks or whatever to yeah. convey that kind of personality and so i think vimini's character in the novel it, it through her, we see that there is something about Oliver that makes him, you know, if if he's the kind of person that a 10-year-old with leukemia immediately, like, really connects to and, and loves spending time with, then clearly he, he can't be all that mm -hmm. uh, intimidating. 
Yeah. And I, I think without her character and without the friendship that Vimini and Oliver had, which was very charming, um, he would just come off as too cold in the book. Mm-hmm. In that's my a opinion. Fa- that's a fair sell. I, I think that does make sense. And you can definitely feel their relationship. Like you can feel their friendship. I, I, I would agree with that. I guess just maybe, again, it was hard for me to not picture Army Hammer doing everything that he was doing in the book and and the same as it was in the movie. So it was, yeah. uh, but I do agree that like, you know, there are sections, they do have more instances of them not talking and having him give more cold glares towards yeah, Elio. Yeah, he's like so, a little mean. Yeah, he's kind of mean, book. he's kind of a dick. Um, you make a good point. Mm-hmm. You, I, I think I think what, what you're describing in terms of her her relationship to Oliver, like, I get I I get that. It just for me was not as interesting uh as I think it was either to you or to what it was supposed to be um portrayed and, as in the story. And don't get me wrong, if her character were in the movie, I I think it would have come off as really cheesy and unnecessary yeah. <laughs> because um to repeat myself through Army Hammer's performance, we we get the sense of how wonderful Oliver is and how everyone just wants to be around him. Mm-hmm. So, uh if Vimini and her character and their friendship was present in the movie, I think it would almost be like a little too much. Like, Oh my God. Like, of course he's like befriending the neighborhood children and Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, But yeah, in the book where his character comes off is so not so mean, but he can be an arrogance is the word I was looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that relationship helped characterize him better basically. Mm Um, because in the film you get to have, uh, other things that characterize a character because you have actors. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I want to bring the movie into this, but I, I, I can't hold back anymore. I want to talk about the one thing that I really didn't like, uh, in this book. Um, so one thing we also haven't mentioned is the book is structured in, uh, four separate parts. Four, Um, so the first part is called, if not when, if not later, when the second part is Monet's Berm. The third part is the San Clemente Diet. No, that's the show. So <laughs> <laughs> um, the San Clemente Experience, I think is what it's called. Uh, the the San, San, Clemente San Clemente Syndrome. Syndrome. And then part four is called Ghost Bots. So the third part, the San Clemente Syndrome, is uh, essentially the section in the movie where Oliver leaves the house and Elio and him go to Rome and they have their like little short excursion together and they're going around the city and there's a another character that is omitted from the film is this poet who mm-hmm. uh, Elio meets when he's in town with uh, Marcia and there's this long section of the third part where they because Oliver is like meeting someone to show his manuscript for because he's writing this um this this research book yeah. and so they spend like an, an entire night with this um, poet and his posse essentially so, you know having dinners going to get drinks you know a, a sharing reading. life a reading sharing life experience i'm gonna be completely honest with you i fucking hated this part <laughs> of the book i could not be any less interested in what was going on in this entire section. Like I like them going around Rome together. I think that was a fun freeing experience, but I, I just didn't like 
having to sit through this shit heel poet talk about what his you know people are different in thailand in a place that he's never been and how he had like this experience that made him appreciate life and it goes on and on for like five pages and i just didn't want to listen to him anymore and i just did not like it at all and i i'm i i'm just trying to I, I mean, I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm just like replicating my feelings as I was watching. And I was just like, I, I, I don't like that these six or seven pages are just dedicated to this story, it's telling a story that has a theme that has already kind of been stated throughout the course of this story. And so I just found it kind of unnecessary and just added pages to it personally I just didn't enjoy reading that part at all yeah I I had like mixed feelings on that part I agree I was also not super interested in like reading about what the poet had to say yeah (laughs) I think and I think it is because uh Andre Osterman is so talented at conveying the arrogance that a lot of writers especially poets have uh when it comes to their life because you know they have the attitude of everything in my life can be like written about and so it's so important (laughs) and i'm gonna ruminate on it yeah Uh, and and i i I think like andre awesome like nailed it like he nailed those kinds of people um Mm -hmm. because you know writers like that they can be very nice but mm-hmm. there is just an inherent arrogance and selfishness, um, especially about being a poet, I think. Yeah. Um, and it's self-aware arrogance on Osman's part, for sure. I think like, so. Yeah. Yeah. He's not um, just like, this is so profound. Like, he's yeah. clearly like trying. I just didn't like it. Like, it just didn't yeah. work for me. Yeah. But see, I, I think... Elio, uh, his experience of, he just keeps saying, you know, it's such a magical night because mm-hmm. he goes to this reading and with all the people there, like there's going to be a kind of like electricity in the air and he's surrounded by beautiful women and Oliver and, and he's so young. He's the youngest one in that whole crowd. And mm-hmm. so the poet is kind of like remarking on Elliot, uh, Elliot, Elio's youth. Um, yeah. And again, the context of this is an older man looking back on this experience mm-hmm. um, made that section, you know, worthwhile because it did. It, it really resonated with me as like that one magical night in your life that mm-hmm. you know can't be every night. And yeah. so I think reading it with like him looking back on it um, resonated with me. And, and I think there is also a really beautiful line at one point where Elio says it was like um, the one night in your life or something uh, where you're the person you knew you were meant to be, but couldn't mm-hmm. be. And yeah. and that really struck me. The, the fact that it was, you know, with Oliver and it was on this, you know, intimate little getaway that they were going to take. And mm-hmm. it was just another example of something that elio was experiencing that would be fleeting Mm -hmm. you know this insane reading and publishing party whatever you want to call it where they're going to bars and then dinner and then they're like ice cream or something like yeah Mm -hmm. and then so not only is this night kind of fleeting because it's it's a world that elio is not you know a total part of Mm-hmm. Um, I think it goes hand in hand with his romance with Oliver being fleeting and something that will only be for this summer. So I think it worked in that way. And I enjoyed reading the parts where Elio is like part of the crowd 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I agree like that the whole, the piano. Yeah. yeah, I enjoyed that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but I agree that the monologue that the poet gives, it's like, get on with it already. But yeah. <laughs> it, it felt organic though. It, it didn't feel like Asaman or the narrator or whoever trying to be like, remember, this is the theme. Like it felt mm-hmm. organically like a, a self involved poet being mm-hmm. who they are. Um, yeah. I mean, cause it is about like, he says it's a the whole idea behind the name of the San Clemente syndrome is a period where like you're totally broken down and rebuilt as a human being. And that's like, you know what this whole story is. And I'm glad that you were able to find some enjoyment in that section. (laughs) I just, I just, for whatever reason was just more interested, like, come on, let's keep, let's just keep the engine moving, you know? And when, yeah, when you were saying that there were parts that took you out, or a part that took you out. Mm-hmm. I was like, in my head, I was like, okay, it's either going to be the the, the poet's monologue mm-hmm. or, because this kind of gave me a moment of like, what was that about? Is there some, uh, spoiler alert, um, stop now if you want to like read the book. Is there <laughs> some bizarre implication at the end of the novel that Elio's father was murdered? Or did I misread that? Did I, I like completely he, misread that? I thought he said he died of cancer. I thought he had cancer. No, that was on Keys. Oh, on Keys died of cancer. No, I thought he, I thought his I, I thought they said his dad just died. I didn't think Well, he there was, was some moment <laughs> I'm showing myself here as I can't comprehend what I'm reading, but there was some moment where Elio was like my mom doesn't really open packages because she suspects everyone since my father. And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I, like, I did was not he a victim of anthrax? That? Like I don't <laughs> understand. I thought it was really weird. I I sh- I was gonna Google it before uh, we recorded, and I forgot to. I did not pick up on that. I thought it said she, it, he just died of. I figured. I also figured it was lung cancer because they're smoking throughout he, the he entire story. He smokes all the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, no, that was Anquise that died of cancer. Right. Right. But uh-huh. they, just that one weird line where I was like, I don't know what the fuck he was trying to say. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that, that uh, is my mom doesn't weird. open packages because she suspects everyone. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know what that means. Yeah, that that's that is very strange. I did not. Uh, I did not see that line. Sorry, I think at that point when we were at, I was at the because I was at the end. I was just like, "All right, come on, let's go." Every, yeah. um, I mean, I also, no, I, maybe I kind of was too, and that's why I misunderstood it. I don't. I don't. I'm. I'm not sure. Uh, I have some thoughts about the ending, but I want to save those thoughts for right now because, again, big difference between how it ends in the film sure. and ends in the movie. But before we bring the movie into our conversation, let's take a quick break to hear a word from today's sponsor. Folks, if you've been listening to the show for a while now, you know that in addition to movies, I also love theater. And I get even more excited when the two are merged together to great effect. Well, co-host of the Playdate podcast and former film guest Julia Marie Black is here to show us how it's done. With her new play, Everything Feels Like the End of the World. The play follows an angel and a demon in a dark comedy about life, death, and everything that comes after. The work will be streaming digitally on May 12th through May 22nd. It's a wonderful story told with the help of some other fantastic former film guests, such as Brian Taborny, Austin Burchard, Steph Workman, and even our very own producer, Sullivan Harris. So you'll be supporting a great group of artists. To reserve your tickets, head on over to DontTellAmyProductions.com or click the link in the description below. You don't want to miss this show. Everything feels like the end of the world on DontTellAmyProductions.com, streaming May 12th through May 22nd. Reserve your tickets now. 
let's talk about the movie. I want to okay. bring the movie into this uh, because, again, that's the genesis of this uh, conversation and our experience with this title. I mentioned that it uh, came out in 2017. It was directed by Luca Guadagnino, a king. Love Luca Guadagnino. Uh, written by James Ivory, who won the uh, Academy Award for Best uh, Adapted Screenplay. He is the oldest person to have ever won an Oscar in any category. I believe How old he was, was he? 89, I think. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a fucking legend. So he was in his 80s when he wrote it? When he I wrote the screenplay? So. Oh, I believe so, him. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he had to have been. <laughs> um, so the, uh, and it was nominated for Best Picture. Timothy mm-hmm. Chalamet was the third youngest nominee in the Best Actor category. Uh, no nomination for Army Hammer. I don't believe Luca Guadagnino was nominated either. Um, but yeah, it was it was very critically lauded. It was around the festival circuit after premiering at um, Sundance and then, you know, had a, a wide and then uh, bigger release. It had a budget of three million dollars and grossed forty two million dollars and sparked a fair amount of controversy and uh, discussions Why? around the depiction of this relationship because we should mention that uh the uh the relationship elio is 17 in the book and oliver is uh 24 i believe yeah in the book he's 24 yeah and then seven years right and i believe that that same age gap is meant to be depicted in the film doesn't look like it it does not look like it so Timothy Chalamet, I believe, was 21 when they filmed it. He still he says he's 17, I think. In, well, he, in he looks like a 17. He, he looks like that, a 17. He's a very believable 17-year-old. But uh, Army yeah, Hammer, Hammer looks like a, a 24-year-old man. and is 31 when I believe the <laughs> movie is being filmed. So very clearly a, a big age gap there. And so there was a lot of... Mm, discussions about how this could be problematic because you know we're giving uh space and time to a pedophilic relationship or a um uh a sexual predator type situation and if i'm being completely honest (laughs) i'm being completely honest i think to focus on that and those comments and to think of the story in that way is to completely miss the point yeah i completely agree and it's it's like laughable like yeah i look i understand that yes there is a noticeable age gap but that doesn't really like there's not really a moment where in either telling really where someone's like is it bad that there's a gap between us? Like, that's not what the point for me, especially watching the movie, the point of the fact that it is that there is a clear, distinct choice in there being an age gap is the fact that I think both of these characters, this is their first relationship of this caliber. Oliver definitely hasn't had a gay relationship like this either. I don't think I I was going to ask if there was some implication um, that Oliver has had sex with men before. I thought he I, wasn't because he was saying his dad would throw him like in. He's clearly had like a an upbringing of homophobia with his father, yeah. and so I assumed that. And just by the nature of like when they first kiss, and he says like, you know, we we've done nothing to be ashamed of, you know, and let's not go any further. Let's do things we regret. I assumed that this was a new and enga- a, like a new sexual awakening experience for both of them. And mm. it didn't matter their age. You know, it, it was the same exact 
experience for both of them. And that's also where the title basically comes from, you know, because yeah. they become basically the same person and it doesn't matter the separation of name. Yeah. And yeah, so I, completely I think, agree. so I think to just be like, Oh, well it's, well, what if it was a, what if it was a man and a woman? Well, it's like, well, it's not. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you want from me. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I just, I think that that is, completely missing the point yeah of the they're missing the point like 100 percent. and also i think the setting is significant because it's like a summer somewhere and it, it it never clarifies where they are in italy yeah, there's a feeling to italy, it yeah. of very like a insulated do you know what i mean it, yes, like it, yes like it doesn't Thank matter you. Yes. Okay. If, if so, Elio was twelve, maybe I could see like, but yes. he's like seventeen, and it's again very insulated. It's this little mm-hmm. world of their own. Thank and, you. And um, Elio's a very mature teenager. So. <laughs> <laughs> also, I mean, it's a work of fiction, you know. <laughs> so, too. like, I, I don't know. But you brought up something that I also want to talk about: this insulated feeling. This movie sparked something, like a new spark of uh, something that I loved in movies that I had never seen before, and that is this feeling of a story that's being told to you that only you, the audience, are privy to. Yeah. No one else in the world is seeing this. And I think that yeah. that's intentional because, you know, again, it's in the 80s, these relationships between, you know, I mean, I can only speak from not having had a relationship with a man before, but it's very secretive. It feels taboo in a way like it feels like it should be happening like behind closed doors. And it has this feeling of like there's the whole world around us and we're just focusing on this one intimate story where the stakes of everything is this kid's feelings. Like that's what we're focusing on. That's what we care about. And that's yeah. something I really hadn't really clicked in with movies before of like, cause we have these movies nowadays where it's just everything. It's the fate of the world. It's like, everything is crashing down and burning and it's, Oh my God, the fate of the universe. But this is just about a kid learning how to like feel something and like actually understand something about relationships. And the fact that not everyone like only the audience and elio have all of the information like no other character has the full story that's fucking beautiful like that's so phenomenal and the fact that it is actually captivating and is told on screen in such a like engaging and realistic way like that's unbelievable like that's just so cool that a movie can do that and 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 why you know why do you want to like sacrifice the experience of getting to enjoy a very beautiful a relatable to work of fiction mm-hmm. um again fiction yes just to like <laughs> focus on on something yeah i don't get it there's no need it, to be a woke warrior about this just enjoy <laughs> like and well i mean i wanted to ask like what was your viewing experience like did you enjoy the film oh i, I really love the film um yeah, I, I don't think Army Hammer is a very believable twenty-four-year-old. No, <laughs> I think he does come love off his performance. As, He's definitely he, not twenty-four, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think the age difference does appear like visually more jarring, mm-hmm. um, but he, that almost it doesn't even register because you're just focused on the feeling and and like you, you really beautifully summed up how they almost like become one in the same. Mm -hmm. And that's what the whole call me by your name. Um, the line is supposed to signify. Um, and and in the novel that is even more 
asserted. Um, at one point, Elio says this really like beautiful, intense line of like Oliver all at once was my father, my son, my brother, like my grandfather, like, like mm-hmm. it, and it, and it doesn't read as weird, but no. you get it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, just, and it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I think that's what the kind of dissolving of the, um, the, we shouldn't because the age gap uh, means yeah that and, it's supposed to be like they are they are one in the same and it, it, it's not so much that they are uh, on the same level in terms of maturity because they're not like elio is still very much a 17 year old mm-hmm. um uh especially in the movie he, he comes off more as the kind of uh sometimes awkward for the most part just ignorant teenager yeah, he's a bit of a brat naive naive more so than ignorant mm-hmm. teenager um because again in, in the novel we have an adult giving mm-hmm. um d- descriptions to those kinds of feelings and so it's not like they're on the same level of maturity um i mean elio is a very intelligent teenager being an academic son mm-hmm. um but yeah you summed it up perfectly when you said it, it, it's just like they're that summer and in that insulation, like mm-hmm. they become one in the same. Yeah. So it's like, who cares? Yeah. I mean, I also just think that, yes, it's clear that Oliver would have more understanding of this relationship, having just led more of a life than Elio has at this point. Yeah. More but sexual I, experience. Yeah. Regardless of, you know, gender in that sense. But I also think that, by the end of it, like it's it's or like in the start, it's clear that Oliver sees something in this relationship or sees that it could work to his advantage because mm-hmm. there's that scene in the film, too, where he goes and tells uh, like the day after they have sex, he tells all our Elio to like pull his pants down and he blows him for like two seconds. And he's like, yeah. oh, OK, you're hard again. Well, that Good happens in the book, too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, but what I'm saying is I think that that is a moment where in his mind he's like, oh, OK, this could be something that happens more than just once. Yeah, and it wasn't he just sees a that. Yeah. And he but by the end of the the story, especially the way it's told in the film, because you focus on his perspective, I think he then realizes that leaving this relationship is going to hurt, that it sucks. Mm -hmm. And that's an, that's a character arc. And I I don't want to spend too much time on that, but I think that like until a little bit later because of talking about directing style, but I just, I, I don't think the criticism of being like, this is not a healthy relationship or this is not a common relationship is valid because like, what first relationship is like what this is a story of a actual first real relationship that this kid is experiencing and it's, it's not going to be healthy. Like it's think when you were 17 was like your high school boyfriend or high school girlfriend or whatever. Like, was that really like the cream of the crop? Like, was that really (laughs) the best? Like, was it, even if you're still with that person, like was like everything going on, like in the best context, like, was it like, I don't know. I just don't think looking at this and just being like, oh, it's not healthy. Like, this is not okay. Like, I don't, I, don't, <laughs> I just think that's so surface level. Like, that yeah. doesn't really compute with me. And, and for the record, I think the way we're talking about it, we're making it sound like uh, narratively, Elio has like never had sex with anyone, where at least in the book, it clarifies that he's had sexual relationships yeah. with women. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Marzia's character. 
right. this kind of mm-hmm. like girlfriend that he's seeing, but you mm-hmm. know, it's he, he doesn't take it very seriously. Yeah. Um, and I think in the film, I'm curious your opinion on it. Um, I think it implies that Elio like loses his virginity to Marzia. Mm-hmm. That's the sense that I got, but in That's the what book, I thought. Yeah. yeah, but in the book, he says something like, I bought Marzia to a spot where I've bought girls before. So it's mm-hmm. like not his mm-hmm. first time. You're right. Um, yeah. I thought it was like first time with Marzia, like in the in the book too. In the in the, in the film. In the book, I got that line that you're talking about. Uh, yeah, so it's yeah. clear that he's had relations with other people. Um, but in the film, I thought it was like just him, Marzia, and then Oliver. Yeah, know? which and again, I can see how that kind of makes it look like uh, oh, like an experienced teenager and an older man preying on him. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, it's just like. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just I just don't think, yeah, calling this movie problematic or calling it uh It's not problematic know, at all. Just, and and it, and it, it kind of bothers me that people would say that because I think so much of this film can resonate with people. Yeah. <laughs> that was a very simplified way of saying it. What I was trying to say was like it's it's not like the age gap makes it unrelatable just like the Mm -hmm. fact that it's the same sex relationship makes it unrelatable you know i watched this movie with my heterosexual boyfriend and we debriefed on it at the end and he was like so much of their relationship like i i saw parts of my own life and experiences in yeah and so you're robbing yourself of the opportunity to really be impacted by and moved by a very moving story if you just strip it down to same-sex relationship between older man younger boy predatory Mm -hmm. like you're robbing yourself of something very nice yeah also just watch it just like (laughs) yeah it's like did you watch the movie like i just think that yeah and that's what is amazing about this movie too like you said it's all about it's about relationships it's i mean yes it is a a gay love story at the center of it but it is about fundamentals of relationships and love and loss within how we relate to others and the relationship that i was saying at the the beginning that i was in was a heterosexual one and i just saw so much of what i was experiencing in that moment because it felt so honest and what the story was telling me and the information that i was given and it's because the movie or just the story itself is so honest. Like it goes through the way that it goes through the motions and the story beats are so like nothing feels jarring. There's no like part of the story where you're just like, why are we doing this? Like it just, for me, every scene feels like a good progression to the ending. And Mm -hmm. I, I, and watching it the other day, I was just like, this movie is still incredible to me. It still yeah. has the same emotional impact. I find new things to love about it. It's such a great story. And I just, yeah, don't rob yourself of, like, if you have an opinion after watching it, okay. But, like, really watch it. Take it in. Because there's so much to love about it. Which transitions us to, I think, the things that we should really talk about right now are the performances. The performances yes, in this movie yeah. are off the goddamn charts. They're yeah. so fucking good. Timothy Chalamet, as I said to the beginning, was nominated. I think the fact that he lost to Gary Oldman playing Winston Churchill in The Darkest Hour <laughs> is fucking stupid. Um, because he gives such a real, like, and, you know, say what you want about him. Obviously, he kind of has gotten into the Timothy Chalamet shtick at this point with other mm-hmm. movies. But I just think this performance still 
like yeah, just holds up so this well. Is, this is the first and only thing I've seen him in um, mm-hmm. so far, and I was so impressed by his performance. Yeah. Um, when, and and I'm kind of embarrassed to admit, you know, back when this movie came out, and I assumed it was kind of like a, a YA thing. It was because of the casting. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, Timothy Chalamet, pretty boy. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. How how good could this really be? But he's a phenomenal actor. Yeah, um, he's really really great. And he and- really excellently plays and puts a face to all those teenage frustrated feelings. Mm-hmm. Because again, in the novel, we have Elio as an adult being able to put words, beautiful complex words to complex feelings. That when you feel them as a teenager, it just kind of manifests as like, I'm horny and sad, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, it, it, Elio really portrays very, or Elio, Timothy Chalamet really portrays uh, perfectly, but they're feelings that are deeper than just being horny and mm-hmm. sad and unrequited love. Um, but, you know, in the film, you can't get that context of, you know, an adult putting words and being able to better describe it after yeah. years of life experience and being able to look back mm-hmm. you're kind of, unless we did the uh old elio narrates yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> which would have been very funny um so yeah. you you kind of have to rely on someone on an actor who can play that play those feelings without words that i don't know if that makes sense um and yeah timothy chalamet just plays the perfect teenager who you know is sensitive and feeling a lot and trying to digest and make sense of complicated emotions and complicated feelings and complicated sexual feelings but can't put words to them And so you see it on like his face and the way he, he moves and the way he says the limited dialogue that he does have. And, Mm -hmm. and it's just, it's so impressive. It, it really is. And the fact that he, you know, like he's playing the actual, he's actually playing the piano and how he's like spouting certain, like just knowledge. And when he's like saying like, Oh, I just wrote it the way, you know, that Bach would have done it if he like transposed it again and like doing all of that scene. That scene's really funny. You mm-hmm. can tell he's obviously like a, a professor's son, but he mm-hmm. has that moment where he, where, you know, Oliver's like, is there anything that you don't know? He's mm-hmm. like, I know nothing, Oliver. It was amazing. <laughs> the things that you, that I don't know about the stuff that actually matters is like so true. And, you know, you could just say that and have it be a character moment, but you actually feel it when you look at him. you're like, yeah, this kid doesn't know what the fuck's going on yeah. like he really doesn't he all yeah. he knows is like he's okay sometimes he doesn't want to go to the watering hole or sometimes he doesn't want to go out with his friends he just want to stay in read and like play the piano but like he has like certain character moments where like you can tell he's frustrated like when he like bangs his back on the bed or like he they give him like the screenplay gives him that moment where he's like you know jotting in his notebook about saying like how frustrated he is with oliver about like uh you know oh i'm I was too harsh. You know, I hope he's not mad at me. Like that's a yeah. cool visual way. But yeah. again, the fact that the movie is so quiet, like is so just, let's just look at this character's face and the final shot. Do oh I my need to God. say more? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I got like, as that shot continued, I got like more and more choked up kind it's of. It's the best because he goes beautiful. through so many different emotions. And that's the great thing about his character arc and how it ends and how he goes from quiet frustration and not really being able to actually express himself to the end of just sitting, to looking at this fire and just feeling 
happiness of what he had, like depression because of what he lost, scared for what's going to happen in the future, confusion as to why all this was happening, shock mm-hmm. that it happened at the time that it did. He goes through so many different phases of like human feeling and just looking right at the fire and crying. And it's just... I, I well, it's see, that, mesmerizing. That would have been the perfect moment to have the narration kick in. <laughs> that would have been. The, so then we don't have to just look at his face and wonder mm-hmm. what he's feeling. Yeah, we, we don't could have, have been told what he's feeling. Which is again one but- of the things that I love about the movie is that like the book. I would not call the book subtle. You know, the book, <laughs> the book is very much like here's everything. Here's literally everything, and the movie is very much like some things you kind of just have to figure out when he puts that peach on his dick i was just like what is going on oh yeah we haven't talked about that okay i so uh, hats off to uh Asiman for writing a scene in mm-hmm. which one of our main characters masturbates using a peach and it does not read as comical like it, i think yeah. i was so impressed that he was able to make that a very Again, the buzzword of the episode, intense, mm-hmm. emotional, beautiful scene. Yes. Mm-hmm. When what is happening is absurd yeah. <laughs> and a product of like horny teenage confusion. Yes. Um, but it, it's so beautiful in the novel and mm-hmm. it's so impressive and moving. And then, you know, obviously uh, in the novel, Oliver comes in. Um, sees that uh, Elio uh, jerked off uh, to completion inside of a peach um, and then Oliver eats it mm-hmm. and Elio in the novel is like so overwhelmed like he like he starts to cry he's embarrassed uh, yeah. well he's embarrassed but then also again as an adult is able to give um, the retrospective insight that he was moved for yeah, the most part. He never felt this before. Yeah, never he never had felt so yet. loved and mm-hmm. accepted like completely. Um and and then being able to put those feelings, uh, tack them on to like a sexual relationship and and it, it's just it's beautiful and outstanding. Uh and I was wondering if that was going to be in the film. Um, I, I was like, I could see it going either way where they don't film it because they're afraid the audience would laugh mm-hmm. um, or they film it and handle it perfectly. And they did um, in the film. Oliver doesn't eat it. No, he, does, he, like he puts does. his finger in it. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of like licks it, which is like less uh, like crazy i guess for for lack of a better word that's not the word i want to use um i love that he has that line he's like oh you've moved on to the fruit family what's next minerals <laughs> yeah uh, yeah oliver Oliver's very funny in the movie mm-hmm. um and it, it is a beautiful scene though it really, it really is like, i was so impressed it could have easily fallen into the realm of like I mean, us as snobs being like, oh, yes, it's very deep. And then people like, it's a peach. Like, you know, it's like it's not like it actually has some real meaning to it. And yeah, I don't feel like a twat when I say that it it was so deep and moving because like it actually is with the way that. Yeah, um, like because you can be able to describe it. Yeah. Well, the way Osman does it is like, you know, he gives a lot of context to the peaches in with the what's the farmer's name again? Ankis. Ankis. Yeah. And how. Uh, how special they are to him and what they symbolize and how that is a symbol of beauty and a symbol of like um, personal growth. And then the film's imagery is so 
specific. Like it's so clear, like the way he grabs it is so sensual and like how he's yeah. like touching like the hole of it, or, like the dent of it in the top. Like it's so clear, like every, it's the same information that's being portrayed. Just one is like literal, like in a literary sense and the other is visual. And the fact that they have the same basic feeling. I mean, I think the scene in the film is a little bit more in, is a diff, is different in terms of like a little bit of the context in terms of Elio's reaction, but I don't think it takes anything yeah. away. You know, the way he he definitely feels a bit embarrassed that mm-hmm. it happens, but then he becomes overwhelmed with emotion that he doesn't want to doesn't want Oliver to go. Like he says I don't want you to go. So I guess the feeling then still is intense that he feels loved and then he wants to keep that going, especially then afterwards that they have that scene where they're just talking on like the balcony. Um, but yeah, it's just handled so well, like, because it's so absurd and because the relationship just, even though the movie is so subtle, the feelings are still intense. You know, the fact that he does that, that's an intense reaction to sexual attraction. Like that's a very, uh, that's a very interesting leap to take. And obviously, I mean, when Oliver comes in and like blows Elio and then he's just like, what did, you do? <laughs> what did you do? That was very, that was very funny. Army Hammer was just so excellent. Let's talk um, about him. I, I really, <laughs> yeah, let's. Because, well, because that's the other thing is that like obviously in the past few months there's been or like last year sometime. I think it was last year. Yeah, yeah. there was a controversy surrounding Army Hammer of being emotionally abusive and having some physically abusive, physically too, abusive and, and uh, interesting um, taboo related <laughs> fetishes. Uh, and I was. Obviously, like, I'm not defending that in any way, but, like, going into this film, I was wondering, in this rewatch, I was like, is this going to color my perception of this performance? Mm -hmm. No, it doesn't, because this performance to me was phenomenal. Like, it's just such a, like, I don't know. I think he's just the perfect match with Elio in the story. Yeah, they have, him and uh, Timothy Chalamet have, like, very obvious chemistry, so their relationship is, again, fun to mm-hmm. watch because I do think <laughs> that the novel is not fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's heavy. Uh, and I, I think Army Hammer's performance and Timothy Chalamet because he, he brings this goofy teenager, feels kind of smug, but not doesn't quite have the confidence and charisma to pull it off uh, as not yeah. totally smug um he thinks he's cooler than he is like he's not douchey you know? yeah that's you're kind of just like oh it. he's kind of he's, he's kinda... like a nerdy kid yeah mm-hmm. um and so between timothy chalamet's performance and then army hammer's spectacular it was my favorite performance in the film mm-hmm. um performance so the controversy didn't color your perception i mean i'd be lying if i i didn't uh, have an intrusive thought of the uh, the fuck baby. I think I'm a cannibal. Text <laughs> that <laughs> from Army Hammer <laughs> that was leaked. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah. You know when uh, Army Hammer first took his clothes off, um, mm-hmm. but it, it it didn't color it. If anything, I, I was like, God, what a shame that he is just a psycho who yeah firebombed mm-hmm. his career because I would have loved to see him in and more things because yeah. I did not know he was such a spectacular actor. He didn't um, really have like the, 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 they weren't giving them, giving them the right parts. You know, this is the well, like yeah, other yeah, side of the coin. I mean, then? his other big thing is the social network. You know, he's the Vinkelboss uh, twins in the social network and that's, and then, but then he does like, you know, the, 
the Lone Ranger remake with Johnny Depp, and that was like a that, whole yeah, big thing. Yeah, that was thing. not good, wasn't um, it? Yeah, and so, and this is like the other side, like the Winklevoss twins that he plays are very like they're arrogant, but they're meatheads. You know, here he's a meathead, but he's also smart. Like he's very, he's goofy. Like he's funny. Like mm-hmm. the Winklevoss twins like don't have like a good sense of humor. You know, and so having having him tell jokes and clearly be funny and clearly nobody's talking about like when he does that whole thing about like uh you know the the apricot like breaking it down like the word from latin to arabic uh you know you can tell he's a smart guy and he deserves to be there and yeah he's just like like you said at the top like when when he comes on screen, you're like, oh, I get why someone would want to have this relationship with him. Yeah, like, I, I understand I get the, the aura fine. that's coming off of him. Like he's yeah. so masculine, but so like he feels so soft, but in a way like soft in a way that's like like loving. Like he feels like there's a his heart. You know, he is just like a just a, a physical embodiment of this character is just so well realized. Yeah, um, it's 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 just so wonderful and. Yeah, like you said, and and mm-hmm. I'll repeat myself. He he brings to Oliver um, everything that it that would make sense as to why you would just have this immediate attraction to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and in the film, there's less of the like push and pull um, and like on and off element mm-hmm. to Elio and Oliver's like relationship even just on the platonic level because yeah. uh, in the novel there's a few stretches where they just won't talk for days right yeah. um and that's not really in the film like in the film i think it does portray a immediate very close lasting relationship mm-hmm. um and yeah I, I god i just i adored army hammer's performance mm-hmm. uh and just so funny and so naturally charismatic without being arrogant because again mm-hmm. in the in the novel i think oliver does come off as arrogant mm-hmm. um and yeah just, just wonderful i yeah. loved it i loved watching him on screen mm-hmm. yeah and again they just work so well together um the other performance I wanted to highlight, and it's kind of a shame that we haven't been able to really talk about, and not just us, but generally, I think Michael Stuhlbarg as mm-hmm. um, the as Elio's father, I think is just a beautiful in this movie. I think what he's able to do is being this uh, clear, like goofy professor like he has this kind of goofy dad energy to him but he's like like when he's just like who's up for a swim before we go back you know like he's Mm -hmm. he's got this like real like bright energy to him and like when elio is saying like oh we i almost had sex with marcia last night he's like oh well why didn't you you know like he has this kind of like goofy dad energy but he's so smart and he knows Mm -hmm. everything like he's like the wise old owl of the story you know very humble and i love the fact that they built him up as just being this like it's like oh he's just focused on you know his work and that's what he cares about the most not that like he's like neglecting his family or anything but it's like that's his important thing and that's like he's just he's a nerd you know he's like a nerdy you know adult and but he's like very smart very and like how he gets excited about certain things but has to discipline his son at points like the line that jumped out to me the most in this uh rewatch was when 
Elio, uh, the two guys were coming over that like got him the shirt. And so <laughs> Elio had to put on Cher. the shirt. Yeah, the Sonny and Cher thing. And <laughs> Stolpark was like, why do you do- call them Sonny and Cher behind their back? Why? Is it because they're gay or ridiculous? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and Michael Stuhlbar, Stuhlbar, Stuhlbar. Stuhlbar, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, he looks familiar. I feel like I've seen him in other things, but I'm not so sure. Um, he pulls off what I think would have been a very easy monologue to fumble, um, yes. which is that mm. beautiful, beautiful monologue that Elio's dad um, gives to Elio after mm-hmm. Oliver's departure. Um, which God, just so gorgeous. And, and I think they like lifted that word for word from the novel. It's, yeah. Pretty much exactly word for word, which I think novel. is like kind of brave because that can be tricky because I think some things read better than they could be performed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's why it's like a, a screenplay. You got to take account that uh, you're going to have a person saying this yeah, and mm-hmm. you're not, um, kind of handing the baton to the reader and leaving it up to them to, mm-hmm read it and uh yeah. <laughs> read it how they're going to um and give whatever voice they're going to give to it so i think it can be hard to just have like word for word lifted from the page uh, to then yeah. have an actor recite but he like nails it yeah, and it was- and it feels believable and also mm-hmm. because he does play such a believable academic who is verbose and mm-hmm. and and very purposeful with their words so it doesn't feel corny which I think he, if a lesser actor and a lesser director handled it, um, it, it could have come off as a little corny. So it definitely, yeah, it definitely could have. But the fact that it fits in the context of the rest of the movie and the fact that he takes his time with it, he really relishes every single word. And there's not this big, you know, he's not speaking in metaphors. He's not speaking in super crazy, lavish English text. It's just honest. He's just, yeah. he's not schooling elio you know he's just saying like what you're feeling is valid mm-hmm. what you went through like don't think that it was nothing you know mm-hmm. he may be gone but what you what you guys shared was beautiful like he keeps mm-hmm. saying that you guys had a beautiful friendship and i've never at your age or since have ever felt something like that and again the line that he says where he's like you know to to feel something or to feel nothing instead of something, what a waste. Yeah. I also love the line where um, he's it's I'm paraphrasing and I'll probably um, screw it up, but it's something among the lines of, you know, we, we take away from ourselves to protect ourselves so Mm -hmm. much so that by the time we're 30, we have nothing to give to anyone. Yes. And I think, yeah, yeah. Oh, beautiful. When I tell you that every single person in that theater was crying, just like not a dry eye in that house when I saw this movie, I was weeping when I saw it. And I still like get teared up by it because it's such the the perfect emotional crux of the story. And especially now having, you know, the at that point in the story, the turn of Oliver leaving and Elio you know, processing that emotion and coming back to the house and realizing how empty it is, Mm -hmm. uh, is just a perfect way to end. I mean, basically the story ends there, but then there's the epilogue, you know, of them coming back in winter. And I just think, yeah, Stuhlbar, I mean, he was in the three best picture nominees that year. He was in call me by your name. He was in the post and he was in the shape of water and he was also in arrival and he was in, um, uh, maybe that's where I recognized him from. Yeah. He's like the kind of quote unquote bad guy in arrival. That's trying to like, uh, like 
trying to get them to shut down like the research uh like towards the end of the film um yeah he's just phenomenal and uh, also again in that scene you know he can you can tell he loves chalamet like the fact that they have like a good actual father-son relationship like it doesn't feel this is another thing i've been taking away from performances so much recently too is that it doesn't just feel like two actors in a space like it feels like it felt like a father and son it felt like a father and a son and it felt like because i also understood that it felt like chalamet's character was like related to stuhlbarg like not just on an emotional Mm -hmm. level but just like they share mannerisms, they share mindsets, they share like um, speaking pat- speech patterns and things that they talk about. Like I just, I think it just uh, was a, a wonderfully casted movie. And, yeah, we, uh, we get a very, oh my bad. No, you go ahead. Finish your thought. We get a very cute moment where uh, Elliot's, oh, Jesus, I keep saying Elliot, Elio's father calls him Ellie Belly, which I yes, thought was Ellie adorable. <laughs> um, and yeah, in, in the film, I think we do get more of a relationship between um, Elio and his father, which, as you just said, it has so much to do with the performances yeah. um, than we do in the novel. Which well, the novel, really he enjoyed. almost says like, yeah, the novel, he almost says like he's he has like some frustrations with his parents. Like he says, like, I, I do believe that they have a good relationship, but there's times where he says like, oh, you know, it's just they'll I, I can't I don't have a specific example, but he they almost say like, oh, he's annoyed by certain tendencies that is like, oh, he's just going to do this thing. Like that's his typical dad thing that he does. Like not in a, in a way that's like, oh, fuck my dad. But like, you don't get the same clear feeling of like, like affection and a child needing their father. Yeah. It's kind of, he kind of more has just, and I guess that could also be true as a teenager. You know, he's just like kind of annoyed by his parents or that like my parents are lame, you know, kind of feeling like it's more like that than fuck my dad. You know, that's not what I was saying (laughs) that, but like it, and I guess that, like I said, that is teenage, you know, like in a way, but uh, this is not your conventional family. So I'm, I'm fine with the way that they do it in the film. I think it, I think it works, you know, fine. Um, I, I also want to talk about Guadagnino and the way that he directs the film, because I think you and I both are big fans of his um, Suspiria remake that he did the... Oh my god, he did I didn't even know that. He Mm -hmm. did the Suspiria remake. I adore that movie. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, he's an absolute genius. I think he's just a phenomenal filmmaker. And what he does with this movie, again, of just being so fly on the wall, literally having flies in the scenes, (laughs) you know. Well, was that purposeful or just filming in Italian summer? I think it's definitely purposeful because he <laughs> just refused to talk about it in interviews when it came out. <laughs> and so, I mean, I think the fact that there's like three of them crawling on Elio at the end. To- yeah. Know, I was like, I Oh just, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, cause like, you know, fly's life is gone in an instant. And oh. you know, the fact that they're all kind of crawling over him, like it's during true. this, uh, you know, this at certain key moments, like when Oliver comes home like during that one period of the film where they're not talking and Elio's laying on his bed and Oliver comes in and pees and then just shuts his door and doesn't say anything. There's like one crawling on um, Oliver's stomach or Elio's stomach. Yeah. A moment when I think Elio was like starting to masturbate and then Mm -hmm. Oliver walks in on him. There's a fly like crawling on his boxers, which is making Uh me cringe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I do think it's intentional, but the way that he 
you know, moves the camera. It's very like fluid movements, like panning side to side, a lot of tripod shots, but also just getting a good sense of the scenery. You know exactly where everyone is throughout the story. Like whether it's like the fact that the house is so open and the, uh, or just like outside, like in the yard or like riding their bikes down that dirt path. Like you just have such a good visual sense of where every single person is. And it's just you relish in it like it's so beautiful like all the lights like it's such a sunny movie but also when it's at night it feels like it's clear skies like the moon is like just right there yeah and warm. it's yeah and warm and they he takes his time with how shots are cut like it's not a there's no quick cutting and you know just the way that it's so fluid and like i said it could it conveys that scenery and that feeling of atmosphere that the book also does have. Like I said, I love the sections in the book that just describe Italy in the summer. And I think they, the way that he pairs that with this letting things kind of blossom as we see them in the film is a perfect marriage of scenery and story. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. He's, he's just fantastic. I, and I, I can't wait to see what he does next. Uh, he was supposed to be working on the sequel to this film. I think it's called. What, what, what it's would called the Fine. sequel be? So was there the, a sequel? Was there a second novel? Yes, there was. I didn't actually. know that. So it's the sequel is called Find Me, and from what I read of the back of the book at Barnes and Noble, it is um, from the father's perspective, who is going to visit Elio, who's like an, a a a concert pianist now. He's like a, 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 an acclaimed pian- classical pianist. And Oliver is like a teacher or something. He's a professor. Yeah, professor. And they meet up in the States. Like, I read that and I was just like, I don't need this. I don't like I, that I, because I, I thought the ending to the novel was perfect. Mm-hmm. I, and, and we'll get into it in a minute, I'm sure. But, mm-hmm. ooh, I don't like that at all. Yeah, I don't but, want I don't want that. I don't want that at all. Like, that doesn't sound... And, and I mean, I, they were they were developing it, and then uh, all the Army Hammer stuff broke, and I think they just kind of scrapped it. So I don't think it's going to happen. Um, which is I'm totally fine with. I don't need another <laughs> yeah. one. I'm fine with just keeping. It's the a story perfect as story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we go into analysis, I think the one thing that really brings this film together is the music, particularly Sufjan the songs Stevens. by Sufjan Stevens, who is in a legend. I love Sufjan Stevens. He's just terrific. And the songs that he writes, that he wrote for this movie are just phenomenal. Like Mystery of Love. Yeah. I just, I love it. And the way where it's placed in the, in the movie of, you know, that's when they go on their Rome trip and we follow them around like on the bus and then going into the, the wilderness and just running around yelling each other's names. It's such a beautiful song because it feels so that's where also the somberness comes in. Like that's a very Mm -hmm. kind of, it's a lovely song, but it is like, it has this touch of darkness to it. And then ending with visions of Gideon as well. So beautiful. Perfect. It's just, it has, it captures the, the tone of the story, you know, yeah, perfectly. And uh, Futile Devices makes an appearance in this film too, which is the opening song on Age of Odds. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It's just, it's, it's perfect. It's like I wouldn't take any I would not want any other artist to do the music for this movie. And the fact that it yeah. didn't win Best Original Song I, I was about is a to tragedy. Say, like, yeah. Oh, because what like beat it, it, do you know? Remember me from Coco. 
whatever. <laughs> my hotter takes is I think Coco's a little overrated, but like whatever. Um, well, Disney will win anything. Yeah, that's so. true. Um, that category just sucks anyway at the Oscars Best Original Song because none of them ever are like actually in the movies that like have a context to unless it's a musical. It Miss Otherwise, Misery won. Yeah, so. that's true. <laughs> yeah, so that was good. I love mm-hmm. Elliot Smith. But. Yeah, yeah. Good old Other than that, a boo to that yeah. <laughs> uh, to that category. I agree. Um, but yeah, so I I just I listen to Mystery of Love all the time. Whenever it comes up on my Spotify, I'm like I have to take a moment <laughs> because it's so perfectly used in the context of the movie. Like it, yeah. the movie doesn't work without that song. Yeah, like it's just it's just beautiful. So I I'm just I'm going on and on, but still it's great. Um, so I want to move into analysis now because I think a lot of what I have to think about in terms of the message of the film obviously has to do with the ending. And again, much like um, you know, piano teacher, we have another and uh, fight club. We have two very <laughs> different endings. Um, so well, just piano, from a, I thought piano teacher was the same ending. Well, I guess well, I guess it's similar, but they go to different places, and we were talking oh, about tr- how, oh yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, I the, forgot the mother's role in the ending is yes, like kind of different yes. from the. Yes, I um, totally forgot. But I guess this is more like Fight Club because they are pretty different. <laughs> um, but so in the book, the way it ends is Oliver leaves, and we get that you know monologue from Elio's dad. And then the rest of the section, like the next like 20 or 25 pages or so, is showing that they have met up at various points throughout the next 20 years or so. Yeah, I think and it's like 15 years passes and then like another mm-hmm. five. Yeah, they after meet like that. four times within the span of the next 20 years, I believe. And we I see so, each of yeah. them. So like one of them is like Oliver comes back to the house in Italy. Another one, like Elio goes to see him at a class when he like has dinner with, um, with, uh, Oliver's family. And then I, I later, thought that didn't happen. I thought it did. Cause they kept talking. Then they ended up going. I thought they went for just a drink with each other. Oh yeah. You're right. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> no, I because thought he said he met his kids. Doesn't he meet his I kids? I think at the 20 year mark, he meets his kids. Oh, then it, okay. So at a different um, point, he meets the kids. And yeah. then the last point is when Oliver comes back to the house again and Elio's father has passed away. And so is on And they talk about what the actual ghost spots means because like, Oh, that was your spot like at the table. And you know, yeah. now so that's how the ending of the, the book ends. The movie ends with Oliver going away, getting the monologue. And then, Fade to black, come back in on the same location in Italy in December or in, you know, it's around Hanukkah and mm-hmm. um, it's snowy and we get a phone call from Oliver saying that he's engaged and they have this quick exchange where Oliver says that he remembers everything. And then Elio hangs up the phone, goes and looks at the fireplace and visions of Gideon plays and he's just contemplative and then it fades to black and crying and crying. And that's the, and that is the end of the, of the film. Two very different endings. I think both works get their message across in same, in the same way. Um, but I personally, for the book, this is another thing that didn't fully work for me in the book. In the book, I think have, it has like 
four different endings and it kind of goes on for a little bit more than I think it needs to, you know? <laughs> I, I don't I don't really like that they meet up again. It oh didn't really God. work. For, it didn't really work for me. Okay, here's where we disagree. Also, very quick, I think it's worth mentioning that um in the book there's also uh almost the same ending as the movie, technically, um, because uh Oliver also, you know, gets engaged. Um, right, but in the uh-huh. book, he he like comes back to visit yeah. and breaks mm-hmm. that news. Um, yeah, he's like there when they're reviewing the new candidates, like yes, auditioning for the yeah. new you. You know, he's yeah. like in person for that, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I I thought the book's ending. Um, I didn't really interpret it as like four different endings. I I saw it as just one long, mm-hmm. like. It, it never is quite over, which is fitting for how Elio looks at, um, you know, what their relationship was and what it meant and still mm-hmm. means to him. Um, I preferred it to the film um, mm-hmm. because I don't know. it, just, it and, and it didn't even really click with me that I preferred it so much uh, until, you know, when Frank and I were watching the movie and it ended and I want his opinion on, the film's ending as someone who like had not read the book um, Mm -hmm. because I was like, well in the book, like this happens, but then it goes on and I I got choked up and started to cry, like describing the book's ending to him. Um, And and I was like, Oh, I guess I really adored the ending more Mm -hmm. than I thought I did because like recounting it, I I was just like, sorry, it's just so beautiful. Like through my (laughs) tears. Um, That that is really sweet. That is really beautiful. Yeah. Because like, God, I, the book like really got to me in, in a good way. Um, the ending, because I think when Elio goes and sees Oliver uh, after one of Oliver's lectures um, and Oliver is like, come on, you, you got to come meet my family. And Elio outright is just like, I can't. Like, I like that part. It's too painful, the, and yeah. and mm-hmm. it, and Eli- and Elio says a line. I can't remember if he if he articulates it to Oliver or if he just like thinks it. Um, but it's something among the lines of like, I could not stand to see evidence of the life that Oliver had without yeah. me. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, that was like a knife in my chest. Yeah. Um, and just really got to me. And, and so, and y- that's missing in the book or in the film, obviously, um, which it's like, you know, what were they going to do? Like, uh, CGI age progress, <laughs> Timothy Chalamet and yeah, Army or Hammer. Or use two different actors. Like, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have worked. It yeah. uh, once again, would have been very funny, but mm-hmm. wouldn't have worked. So I completely understand why they kind of like cut off the ending where they did in the film. Mm-hmm. But I think that um, progression of time and the life that someone you were in love with, which like very quickly, I really, really, really loved that at no point in either the novel or the film, is there an, I love you scene. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, Like uh, no one, no one says deeply love you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, uh, like I really adored that um, because because it makes sense because it's it's almost like you can see both sides of it where it's like okay is can a 17 year old be in love like come on um and but also it's like you feel that way and and i think in both the text and the film it comes through where it's like okay is it 
love and everything that like maybe being in love would entail. Not necessarily, but like it, it feels like love because mm-hmm. of just how strong. Right. Um, and that's like a tricky thing to um, portray, I think. And it's also something that only makes sense in like hindsight, which, you know, we see in the novel. Um, but yeah, to get back to what I was saying, I think the novel uh, and it's, you know, showing that Elio kind of has to confront that Oliver lived a life like without him mm-hmm. um, and that Elio had a problem with it. Cause I really enjoyed that. It seemed to kind of like volley between um, at first Elio is kind of describing how in the years after Oliver, there were more people, mm-hmm. more lovers, more, more relationships so that it feels less like there's only that relationship that being Oliver and Elio to mm-hmm. refer to. Like, I, I think, I think Asaman does a very good job as the narrator or um, as using Elio as the narrator uh, to describe the feeling of like, okay, you do quote unquote move on. Like, you, you do move on. You have, you have more relationships and more lovers and, mm-hmm. and you think less and less of, of the, the big one and it hurts less. Mm-hmm. So then when he goes and visits Oliver and the impression that I got, which maybe this is me just kind of like applying it and it's not what Asuman was aiming for. Um, but I almost got the impression of Elio like doing it because he thinks he has moved on. And then you see that person and, it all comes back and mm-hmm. you're like you're right back to being 17. Right. Um, yeah. And it, I, it just moved me and mm-hmm. Oh my God. I thought it was like so painful mm-hmm. um, and almost more of like a downer ending because yeah. I think in the film with the way that it ends, you get the impression of like, he's 17, he'll move on. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it hurts but yeah uh, you know you like or not that you get the impression but you can you can justify as like we've all been there like you move on but in the text when it's showing like we've all been there you move on but then like you see them and it takes you back one thing i was thinking about while you were talking and describing your emotional connection to the ending is i do agree that i like the him going to see him at the at the at the end of one of his lectures like i think mm-hmm. that section is definitely the best one of the meetups that they have throughout the years and that was the one that felt the most um deserving of the theme and i like how uh like you said it does feel like he's very scared of seeing the life that oliver leads now um for me though i think and the fact and the 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 book ending ends with the title like you know if um hopefully like when we see each other again, you'll call me by your name. And that's a great use of the title for sure. Mm-hmm. For me, I almost felt like the exact opposite though, where I thought that the book ends a bit more hopeful on that note where he's saying huh. he hopes to see him. And that the fact that he has seen him several times throughout the years oh. is indicator that they will run into each other again. Oh. And then the movie, I like the idea that they don't see each other again, where after that, Hey, after that phone call, Nothing happens between the two of them. And that, to me, feels a lot more of a shock for the character. And I I enjoy that a bit more. I like that it's a little less... That's kind of the, the gloom of the relationship or the gloom of the story in the I, film. I thought in the in the novel, 
that at the end, um, we end with Oliver and Elio are in like the same room. Yeah, yeah. Because they're heading out somewhere, and and I think Oliver says something of how like oh we read each other's minds or or something mm-hmm. or like um, some kind of nod to they they were thinking something similar, and then yeah. Elio has you know it ends on that moment where he's like if if you could read my mind like you would know that like you i just want you to like touch me or something and then like Mm -hmm. call me by your name like Mm -hmm. and to me that kind of signified like you know oliver has reached a point where he is able to contextualize the relationship that they had uh presently as like well we will always be good friends yeah and um whereas elio is still still wants what they mm-hmm. had. Um, and, but I think like Hussman so expertly uh, conveys that in a way that's not like ham fisted or mm-hmm. too whiny because yeah. he doesn't, it doesn't flat out come off as Oliver's never like, I'm glad we're friends. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, I've been friend zoned. Um, like <laughs> it, 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 it feels like complicated and muddy. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's just so I it really moved me, mm-hmm. and I then th- I think it's like painful. I think it's a really painful way for the novel to end. That yeah. it's been like twenty years, and like Elio still is going back there mm-hmm. to that to place those feelings, of, to, yeah. to those feelings that mm-hmm. he had as a seventeen year old, and and it goes to show like sure you can mature and and you can look back and and put adult language and feelings to what was happening mm-hmm. um and that you weren't able to do when you were 17 and immature mm-hmm. but like you can still go right back to feeling those feelings that yeah. like not everything can be just discredited as horny 17 year old hormonal brain mm-hmm. you know yeah um and God, it just it really got to me. I thought it was so good. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I guess we can agree to disagree. It just like sure. I, the- I, I, sorry, I, I still think the movie ending is spectacular. Like mm-hmm. just that long shot on uh, Timothy Chalamet's face, and just watching him cry, and and the visions of Gideon. Like mm-hmm. it, it's gorgeous. Yeah, and that also moved me. But I think. The way that uh, the novel just kind of like twists the knife, mm-hmm. it, it brought that kind of gloom that yeah. uh, I always really appreciate from literature. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I wanted to talk about some analysis stuff, too, of the story, because I some stuff that I really picked on, especially in this rewatch, is they they do a lot of focus, especially in obviously with the opening titles, having it be shots of like textbook photos like over the the writing and then with their statues yeah statues like statues and beauty that's a big theme in uh in the story and the way they really kind of accentuate that especially when they go to see that statue on that excursion like at the beach like i thought that that was such a beautiful like um visual metaphor of like trying to encase or like to preserve this sense of young beauty before it grows old and ends up decaying and becomes lost, you know, and, um, this, and just like having this arm of the statue, like completely broken off, you know, um, and and we, 
we should specify that that's only in the film. Right. That yes. there, there are no mm-hmm. statues in the book. Right. Like, I, I don't know if they ever clarify what Elio's father is a scholar of and, and what. Um, I don't think so. Yeah. Oliver is studying. Mm-hmm. So yeah. in, in the film, they clarify that it's some kind of archaeology statue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Thing. Uh, <laughs> but I uh, pairing that with one of the directing choices that is. I guess one of the only few, I guess, jarring things in the film is towards the end when after uh, on their Rome excursion where Elio is laying in bed and he's drunk and he's like passed out. And then he has these flashes to times that they spent oh. together. That's like in this orange negative. I hated that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. oh, I hated that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can understand why. Yeah. It works for me. Like the more the more I watch it it works for me because I think again pairing it with that theme it does show this and then his final line being like I remember everything like even if it's been altered he still remembers those feelings and that the times that they had and the fact that he sits down in the bed and there's that close up of his face like he's just like it, he's very clearly now realizing that leaving tomorrow and leaving this relationship is really going to suck and it's mm-hmm. really going to hurt. And he didn't really kind of envision that at the start of it. So yeah, it's definitely a, it's a choice. It's a capital C <laughs> choice for sure, but I don't mind it. I think it works and it's just yeah. a quick, it's a quick, it's like a really out there quick choice, you know, Thank so God. I, it, it works for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I that was really the only thing about the film that I like didn't like. I I thought that was a very bizarre. Mm-hmm. Ch- yeah, no, it just didn't work for me. Fair enough. Fair. Once again, ag- agree to disagree. <laughs> um, <laughs> but see, this is this is healthy. This is a healthy discussion <laughs> where we can agree on things, and if we disagree, we can you know we just discuss it we don't get into <laughs> screaming arguments it's amazing i love yeah it. you cut all this out i'm joking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well i think and the the music <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so any other specific themes or uh oh I, one other thing i wanted to mention sorry i know i'm like going ham on this episode no but you're I'm fine like really no excited. i want you to one other thing that really kind of accentuated a theme or a message for me was how they handle uh, Elio's Elio Maurizia's relationship uh, in the film, which I think mm-hmm. takes a bit of a slightly different direction than the book. Um, I kind of actually really like what they do with it in the film because I think you get the sense that they're good friends from the start and yeah. the fact that they're together in his room just hanging out and then the relationship itself kind of comes from his frustrations and, you know, trying to kind of young attraction towards Oliver. And it kind of grows to that. Like, Oh, I'll show him. He's getting with these young girls and dancing like a weirdo at the club. I'll, (laughs) I'll show him kind of feeling. And that's how it is in the book too. Or, or or the need to catch up, like catch up and and get sexual experience. Because again, in the film, I think it's implied that he, Mm. he's a virgin when he gets with Marzia. Yes. Um, but I, I, I like the way at the end you get this these two quick scenes, one where Maritz is like, am I your girl? And he's just like, I don't I don't really know. And she goes away. And yeah. then when he's driving back from dropping Oliver off at the station, they have this moment where she's like, look, I I know you're sad. I, I don't hate you. I hope we can be friends for life. And then they shake hands and hug. Yeah. And I think that that was a good way to accentuate the idea of like 
you know, just what relationship, which relationships stay with us and which ones go away. You know, the one that you thought was stronger in feelings of attraction and love is the shortest one and the one that hurts the most, but the one that was probably quote unquote, the more, again, maybe healthy is not the best word, but the one that seemed like it was the most prosperous or that would stay long kind of ended and took a different direction. Mm -hmm. And that I think is a very realistic um, portrayal of relationships and honest and that there's kind of two, uh, I mean, relationships are not, you can't boil them down to just two different avenues, but the fact that this film presents them as two, I'm going to go with it. So the fact that there's these two different ways of the ones that strong end up kind of simmering off and the ones that kind of build over time, you know, end up being the best ones. I think it's cool to see that in the way they do it with Maurizia, uh, as opposed to having them, you know, just kind of fart around a bookstore (laughs) and, uh, Uh, him and, and he's kind of, of being and him yeah them having a lot of sex and him kind of just being an asshole like he doesn't he's not <laughs> he's like not paying attention to her at all in the book like he just doesn't care well, in, in the book he's very attracted to her i'm not um, saying he isn't but his yeah. the way that he is how he reacts to her is kind of that's where he gets a little douchey like he's oh a little, well, yeah like, yeah just like, yeah aloof 17 year old um, yeah but i i like what that portrays for like you know for the relationship uh, for the the idea of relationship having yeah. these two different um posing uh forms of relation of relationship yeah I, I like wasn't even conscious of the film doing that and i don't say that to mean like it wasn't doing that i i, yeah. I mean that to be like that's a very astute observation um and, and thank you and, and you're welcome because because yeah it, it is it definitely is purposeful because of the fact that it is so different from the book because i think marzia just kind of like disappears he's just in gone the book yeah, yeah. Like it feels more complete in the film yeah, yeah once elio and oliver start sleeping together i i think he sleeps with marzia maybe like once more and mm-hmm. then that's the last we see of her yeah so i do really like that in the film they have that kind of reckoning of mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, it just stood out to be on this rewatch. Is there, are there any other um, points of analysis or themes that you want to discuss before we get to our <sighs> final question? Let me think. Oh, oh, oh my God. Okay. We haven't talked about this like at all. So in the novel, uh, I think <laughs> it's not, I think there was uh, a, a really excellent um, st- section for lack of a better word. Um, following when Elio and Oliver sleep together for the first time where uh, Elio is kind of dealing with some feelings of like shame and and regret Mm -hmm. and feeling changed and not Mm -hmm. knowing how to deal with that and and how much of that is coming from his first same-sex experience, how much of that is coming from the high and then uh, come down of finally getting with someone that he's been wanting to get with like all summer. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was, I, I was so, so amazed at how like perfectly and accurately Asamin was able to, um, you know, articulate that mm-hmm. in the novel and in the book, in, in the book, <laughs> In the film, I don't think we get that as like much, and no. so I don't. I don't think this is maybe this is an analysis. Um, maybe I'm kind of like speaking on this too late, um, but I was like a little disappointed that the film didn't really get into those kinds of feelings as much because I was so interested in reading Elio's 
experience with like, okay, coming to terms with the fact that I have now passed the threshold of like, I have had those same sex experiences, which I've been thinking Mm -hmm. about for years um, because in the film, we don't have that clarification from Elio that he has been, you know, interested in men for a few years. Because mm-hmm. in the book, he was, like, propositioned, mm-hmm. re- yeah, for uh, f- to have sex with a man, like, a couple mm-hmm. years prior to Oliver's visit. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, that's where it started. Um, right, and Whereas right. in the film, we don't get that. Um, and, and I think the film generally also kind of, like, toned down a lot of the erotic feelings. <laughs> It's not a horny movie, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's a very horny book. Um, It is a very horny book, yes. Handled with a lot of taste and tactfulness that I really respect Mm -hmm. because it would have been so easy just to make it pure horny. Yeah, well, even when they're like during the first sex scene, like the, the camera pans off to the open window. Yeah, we we don't really see um, a lot of sex. Yeah, I mean, I... It, I agree that is a definite clear difference. Like the sex scenes in the book are very descriptive and very like lengthy. And, mm-hmm. but you're right that they are written in such a beautiful way that it doesn't feel like too, it, it is a lot, but it doesn't feel like just too like fan fictiony, you know, like it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't feel that way. Um, but I was fine with them toning it down in in the movie personally because i think again the focus on and not in a way that i was like i don't want to watch that but like i just think <laughs> i think just focusing on the relationship and what they did show in terms of sexual uh re, uh encounter between the two of them works just just fine for me mm-hmm. um so it didn't i didn't really notice it all that much in terms yeah, of that as a difference yeah, personally yeah but i, I, guess get, I terms, get what you're saying yeah and, and i and again I'm, I'm bringing this up too late because i don't think it fits totally when discussing you know any kind of theme or analysis but i mm-hmm. think in terms of theme it the movie does make a shift from the kind of like sexual awakening more into uh almost like an emotional awakening yeah mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah that yeah, yeah. for sure that does make sense yeah whereas in the book it's like both uh but it's it's executed perfectly yeah like so like, a, like very like, horny like, book it is a very horny book yeah like i said up top it's a fundamentally two fundamentally different uh works telling the same story also i i i'm i'm really i really enjoy that such a horny book can be again and I don't mean this completely negatively, not fun. It's like really funny to read like intense, somber horniness. It does. Yeah, it is a uh, it does ask a lot of you as a reader it really <laughs> kind of pulls you along as opposed to you walking along the journey. That's a good you way to put really it. You really have to kind of trudge through it to get to the ending, um, <laughs> which is again, again, another reason why the book didn't fully work for me, because at times I was just like, because the movie, I'm just so encapsulated into it. Yeah. I'm just like, I, I want to be here. And the book at points, I was just like, I don't want to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't want to hear about how horny you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, I think we've, you know, given so much to this story uh, and to this episode. So let's wrap it up. Let's, I'll start with you. Um, 
as always, we ask the same question. Which of the two works spoke to you more? Would you say the book? I'm actually really curious because I don't know what your answer is going to be. Would you say the book or the film? Or would you say they're equal? I don't know what my answer will be because, you know, uh, immediately after seeing the film, I was like, okay, I prefer the film. Like, I would totally watch the film again, um, but I I don't know if I'll ever read the book again. Um, Maybe someday. Who knows? Uh, But... um, but then, as I mentioned earlier, you know, describing to Frank the the differences in the ending, and I like started to cry <laughs> describing the the book ending, and I was like, oh my god, like I guess I did love the book like more than I thought, mm-hmm. and connect with the book more than I thought. Um, it's tricky. I, I think I connected with the book more, um, and it really resonated with certain parts. Really resonated with me. But I enjoyed the movie more. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying Maybe it's to like think. Kind of a, I mean, I, I said No Country for Old Men were equal. So, I mean, if yeah, you want to have one that's equal. I, I, I think this would be my equal answer because, mm-hmm. and, and also I shouldn't write off um, that, that I would never, I, I shouldn't I shouldn't say that I would never read the book again because I, I think I would be interested to read it again, like further in life mm-hmm. because, you know, it's being young. I think uh, it, it, there's there's only so much you can really like um, relate to, and I'm, I'm curious if it, it's one of those books where when you read it when you're a few times throughout your life you get something in a more, more like, or something different, yeah, part of your life, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think I would say fifty fifty because I I really love the movie, um, mm-hmm. and I would totally watch it again, and I think it again brings that levity and, and joy. Because uh, as long as it's not totally unrequited, there is a lot of joy in like yeah. young summer love. Yes, um, uh-huh. that is <laughs> you don't really get in the book. Um, but they're not so, running through fields like I can't see nobody <laughs> but you. You know, it's, it's not like that. <laughs> um, and so yeah, I, I, I fifty fifty. I think that would be my answer. Because yeah. each one means something different to me. So that's yeah, awesome. 50-50. That's my answer. That's beautiful. Uh, I'm gonna say <laughs> I'm gonna say the film. Mm-hmm. Film only grows in estimation for me over time. I, I was telling my friend, I was like, I'm such, I was such a dope for not putting this on my favorites of the decade list. Like <laughs> if I was to redo that list over, this would absolutely <laughs> be on there. It's a beautiful movie, and like I said, I, I I know I was a bit harsh in the book. I I did enjoy the book overall. I would say it's a good book. I think that there are sections of it that I really enjoyed, and Osman is in no way, shape, or form a bad writer. He's a phenomenal writer and has such a great way of with words and descriptions. There was just a lot of it because I've been so... It was tough at points to kind of rid my bias of being like, well, this is what I like in the film, and since it's so fundamentally different from the novel do I like it this way more? Do yeah. I like it this way more? And I think one of my biggest takeaways from it was that I I wanted more from the book in that I kind of wanted less from it because I think the movie, what really works about the movie is that it's so subtle and that it's so void of too much information. There's a lot that leaves you to your imagination that you kind of have to put together through visual language that mm-hmm. isn't expre- like explicitly told to you. And I kind of like that. And it adds more to, again, the... Um, insulated, secretive vibe of the story that I don't really get when I read the novel. Like, I, I get the emotional connection to the relationship similarly, but I love that 
the movie just feels so secretive. I like that it's the whole world and then this is what you're going to be focusing on yeah. for the next two hours and 10 minutes. And it's yeah. so beautiful and it's just told. And again, a, a great exercise of visual storytelling, limited dialogue, or when there is dialogue, they almost like cut sentences, like, or just cut conversations like off. They don't really need to go in this deeper, like really long drawn out way. And obviously Michael Stuhlbarg's performance of the monologue at the end is just like, damn, is it good? Um, but everything about the movie just, sings for me personally so and uh it's one that i returned to this was like my fifth time watching it and it uh i'm I'm definitely curious for you to like go back and rewatch the movie at points because yeah i'm excited too it just gets better it gets more entertaining it gets like it's a warm hug of a movie even though it is like like you said there is the joy but there also i do appreciate the kind of somberness of oh for sure when he's I didn't even talk about this. Like probably like my favorite shot in the movie is when his mom picks him up from the train station. It's just that shot of them in the car and he's just like crying. Oh and there's yeah. No oh. dialogue. There's no, and she just like rubs the back of his head. It's just yeah. like phenomenal. And so the fact that they can get emotion out of that, like again, just limited descriptions and you kind of just have to pick things up as you go and contextualize like what people are thinking. It makes it such a rich experience to return to. Yeah. Um, so I think the film, it's one of my, one of my favorites. So uh, it should have won best picture over shape of water. I'll say it. <laughs> um, but obviously not everything has to be about the Oscars. So, wow, this was an amazing episode. Thank I agree. you as always. Yeah, well, well, thank you because I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if I would have seeked out either the film or the book on my own because basically right up until viewing the film, well, that's not true. Right up until reading the novel, uh, my impression of the film was a very different one. Do you want to hear something funny? Please. I didn't know that Army Hammer was Oliver. I assumed Army Hammer played the dad. Uh. And I was like, I wonder who plays Oliver then. And Michael Stuhlbarg. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Stuhlbarg looks 24. <laughs> and That's phenomenal. So I, I really did not have a very good understanding of, of what the movie was. I thought it was like a YA <laughs> army hammer plays uh, like either the dad or a neighbor mm-hmm. um and <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, then it turns I into my girl it. they're just like nine <laughs> 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 oh that's funny oh man so well, i i appreciate that you gave me the kick in the butt to like yeah. actually watch it because oh my god was it good yeah i'm i'm really glad you enjoyed it um on that note two weeks guys it's the last episode yeah that's fucking crazy oh my god uh well we have a lot of work to do until then we're still in the process of gearing up that's going to be a big monster of an episode and i can't wait for you guys to hear it as always make sure to follow our social media accounts to uh, check out the clues to figure out what the episode will be on so thank you again rihanna you're Uh, welcome thank you uh, bye everybody bye y'all Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Frankly I Love Movies Off the Shelf. You can follow us on Instagram at Frankly I Love Movies and at Frankly underscore podcasts on Twitter. Our show is produced by Sullivan J. Harris with music by Kanan Harris and series artwork by Rihanna Henson. I'm Rihanna Henson. I'm Josh Wall. Frankly, I love books. And frankly, I love movies. Frankly, I love movies.